Uh, in our house, we have lots of kids, and they're often scattered all over the place, and sometimes they're more noisy than they need to be. And I will grab a passing kid and say, go and tell your brother to be quiet, or go and tell your sister to turn this off, or go and tell so-and-so to do this and that. And sometimes you hear the kid go into the room and say, turn off the TV. And the other kid says, no. And you hear this squirking backwards and forwards. Eventually the first kid, the messenger, comes back and says, they didn't listen. They go back and say, dad says, turn off the TV. Go back and say, dad says, to put this away or do this or do the other. And then you hear the kid go to the other end of the house and yell, Dad says, turn off the TV. And I wish I could say that 100% of the time obedience was immediate, but it's not. But my kids find they're more likely to get a positive response if they tell someone else, Dad says, do this. Or Mum says to do this. Sometimes, of course, the Dad and Mum haven't said it at all. They just want them to do it, so they make it up. And then they go and say, Dad says that you have to give me some chocolate. Or occasionally I'm in the kitchen and a message will come down and mum says you should give us a lolly. Oh, yes, is that right? Did mum say that, did she? Hmm. All right. It's about authority. Who says? Who gave you the authority to do this? We've been working our way through Mark's gospel and reading as our touchstone verse this proclamation of Jesus as he announces the kingdom of God and shows what that is like. So let's read again Mark 1.15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And the question the people at the first stage might have said to Jesus, well, who says the time has come? And who says the kingdom of God has come near? And who are you to tell us to repent? And who are you to tell us to believe? No doubt throughout the time as Jesus preached and taught, People did ask those questions. Who says? But we read again and again through Mark's gospel that the people are amazed at Jesus, amazed at his authority, amazed at his ability to teach, amazed at the miracles he did, amazed at the authority he had over nature, authority over men and women. And so the numbers of people saying, who says? It's less and less and less as Mark comes along. And as we come to Mark chapter 10, as Jesus summarizes everything he's done up to that point, he describes himself as the son of man, this figure who has come with all the authority of God and all the authority of humans here on earth. He is the Messiah. He is this great promised king. Let's read the verse together. For even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you remember nothing else from Mark's gospel, I pray that you'll remember these two verses. Jesus tells us to repent and believe and trust that the kingdom is here. Jesus then says, and I've set you an example as to how you should live. Serve one another. He says, and I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. I want you to imagine, please, a busy Friday afternoon in the middle of the city rush hour. The traffic has built up for some time and now there is gridlock. Nobody can move. 
Horns are blaring. Taxi drivers are swearing. Hot and tired commuters are eager to get home for the weekend. Nobody knows what to do. And all of a sudden, out of the shadows steps a young man. He walks into the middle of the busy road dressed in casual clothes and begins to dress to direct the traffic. Drivers are surprised, but they do what he indicates. The blockage unblocks itself and traffic starts to flow again. The young man is about to melt back into the crowd when the police arrive. They've been upstaged. What do they what they want to know from the young man is who gave you the authority? Who do you think you are? Who gave you the right to behave like this? That's the mood of our passage this morning. The temple has been going about its business for centuries, run by the chief priests and their subordinate officials, and suddenly a young man has come in and taken charge. Everybody seems to be hanging on his words. Who does he think he is? What gives him the right idea that he has the right to behave like this? Mark's readers, of course, know what the answer is. Jesus is the true king. He was anointed at his baptism, but he's not yet been enthroned. And it is the king who has the ultimate authority over the temple. This was a bit of an issue at the time between the chief priests and the kings. Herod the Great had had some authority over the temple and what it did. He's the one who paid for its renovations and rebuilding, as we talked about a few weeks ago. But after Herod the Great's been dethroned and his kingdom split up, the Romans are now governing this part directly, this part of Israel directly. And the Romans are starting to interfere in the temple as well, saying who can be chief priest and for how long. And so there's always been some backwards and forwards between the religious leaders and the secular leaders about the temple. But ultimately, it was the kings of Israel who were in charge of the temple. David planned the temple. His son Solomon built it and had been intimately connected with the royal family ever since. Prior to Herod, in fact, the king, the royal family before Herod the Great was put in power were called the Hasmoneans, and they acted both as king and priests. So the king was also the high priest during their time of ruling. Now Jesus has come into the city as its rightful if unexpected, king. Jesus has come in as the true king, and we've read that as the chapter 11 has gone on, from the triumphal entry of the crowds gathering and welcoming him, of Jesus coming into the temple and throwing out the merchants and cleaning up the place and saying, my house shall be a house of prayer. Jesus is the true king, and that is the answer to the question that the chief priests and the elders ask in verses 27 and 28 this morning. 27, 28, our passage this morning says, they arrived again in Jerusalem and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you the authority to do this? The true answer is that Jesus is the rightful king. But Jesus won't say so in just that many words, not yet. 
he begins instead a series of riddles which Mark's readers should be able to decode but which kept the authorities guessing. And as so often in this gospel, the most important and powerful things are not spoken in straightforward language. They appear in teasing questions which Jesus' hearers and now Mark's readers have to work out the right answer. And so Jesus replies to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. In this case, it's not difficult to solve the riddle or to answer the question. Jesus' counter-question about John's baptism isn't simply him throwing up a difficult question as a challenge to try and shut them up. It's a coded way of answering their own question. As Mark's readers know, as we've read over these months, Jesus was anointed by the, with the Spirit and power at the time of John's baptism. John is the one who baptized Jesus. and We read in Mark chapter 1 of the Spirit of God coming as a dove and landing on Jesus and the voice of the Father in heaven saying, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, his authority, his miracles. John the Baptist had pointed to Jesus as the coming one, the one who would act with power. And at the voice and the voice at the baptism had declared to Jesus himself in words echoing the royal psalms and prophecies that he was the true king, God's own beloved son. He was the one for whom Israel had waited a thousand years. If the chief priests knew what was really going on at John's baptism, their question would have answered itself. What Jesus did in the temple was simply the long-range outworking of what had happened at his baptism. In terms of the story I told at the beginning, the young man who's come out of nowhere to direct the traffic is secretly the new chief of police. The police don't realise it yet. And, of course, the chief priests find themselves wrong-footed by Jesus' question. So we read, they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? Or if we say of human origin, they feared the people. Everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus saying, we don't know. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. They can never, neither say that God sent John, because if God sent John, why hadn't they repented? Why hadn't they sought out or followed the one that John had pointed to? John had said, this is Jesus, the Messiah. Follow him, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. So if John had been right about that, then Jesus has the authority to do what he's been doing. But they can't admit that. And neither can they say that John was just a crazy man following his own crazy ideas. That would have gone down like a lead balloon among the crowds. They must admit that they do not know. Although Mark's made it quite clear they're not actually interested in telling the truth. 
We're only interested in saving face. The question of Jesus' authority has thus come full circle. In the early chapters of the gospel, this was the thing that most impressed people about Jesus, his authority to teach, his authority to heal, his authority to cast out evil spirits, his authority over nature. And throughout the early chapters of Mark, again and again and again, the people are amazed at his authority. Now the authority with which he taught and healed has turned into explicit authority over the highest institution in the Jewish religion. Who did he think he was? Jesus thought he was the king and acted like he was the king. And from here on, there is a straight line to the questions that the chief priests will ask when Jesus is arrested. And so in Mark chapter 14, the chief priests will say to Jesus, will put him under oath, will demand that Jesus answers the question. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Jesus says, yes. And on that word, they take him and nail him to the cross. This incident we're reading here in chapter 11 is just the beginning of the journey that will lead to that ultimate question. It's the key to the unfolding drama. Jesus puts the question back to them, and when they refuse to answer, he says to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He says, I'm not going to tell you what authority I've got. If they had said that John the Baptist was sent from God, Jesus would have said, well, John the Baptist said that I am the one that's coming. And we'll go from there. If the people had denied John, if the leaders had denied John the Baptist, Jesus would have said, well, that's not true. He didn't get his authority from man. He got it from God and off we go from there. But because they refuse to answer, Jesus says, well, I'm not going to give you an answer either. But, of course, being Jesus, he does give them an answer. He gives it to them in the very next section of Scripture because all of this is an introduction to the parable of the tenants, which if you've got your Bibles there, you can open straight to Mark chapter 12. It follows immediately after this story. We read this parable and talked about it on Palm Sunday, if you can think back to April. But today we'll just read through the parable because this parable is the answer to the question. Who's given you this authority? Jesus answers in this parable. Now a parable is a short story with a point. And here as we read through the different aspects of the story represent different things in reality. And so the vineyard, the garden, represents the nation. Maybe it just represents the temple. The tenants are the religious leaders. The man who built the garden represents God. Various messengers represent his prophets. And the only son, well, that's the guy telling the story. And so in Mark chapter 12, we read these words of Jesus. Remember, this is immediately after the question, what authority have you got to do this? Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. Man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press and built the watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. Luca doesn't like me this morning. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. 
going, we're going backwards somehow. You do it. All right, I'll just give you the nod. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. They took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. Jesus stops telling the story and then turns to these religious leaders and asks them the question. The other gospel has Jesus, the other gospels, Matthew and Luke, have Jesus specifically say this to the religious leaders. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this passage of Scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. In response to the question from the religious leaders about Jesus' authority to take control of the temple and to chuck out the merchants and do all these other things, Jesus responds with a story where he is the son of the one who built the garden. He is the son of the one who built the temple. He is the one who is the true owner. And he says the religious leaders are going to kill him because of it. And Mark chapter 12, verse 12, tells us that this is the case. The chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. The people that Jesus is talking to here understand this story is all about them. They understand that they are the tenants, the one who've done the wicked thing, who've mistreated the messengers, who've not paid their rent on time, who've mistreated the garden, who've abused their authority. And they understand that Jesus is saying before them, I am the heir. I am the beloved son of God. And so they decide to take this as an excuse, as a reason. They began looking for a way to arrest him because they knew the parable was against them. But they're not done yet. And so over the following weeks, this, as we work our way through Mark's gospel, we will look at more questions that are put to Jesus as the religious leaders of various kinds try to trap him, as they try to get Jesus to say something that will get him killed, which is fine, by the way. Jesus has come to give his life as a ransom for many. He is prepared to die, not just yet. It's only Tuesday. Fridays are coming. Are there any questions this morning before we conclude? Any questions out of this passage or what we've spoken about today that you'd like to ask about? No? That's fine. I encourage you, if you have questions, to get in touch with me, to speak to me. Make a time. Happy to discuss these things with you. If we take the New Testament seriously, it appears that those who follow Jesus, 
those who are equipped with his spirit are themselves given authority under his direction to act in his name in the world. So Jesus is one with authority and he gives authority to his followers as well. Use his name. So like my children go and tell their brothers and sisters, Dad says, God says to us, go and tell your brothers and sisters, Jesus says. If we take that seriously, we can begin to think about where we should start using this authority in our world. Where in our world are the traffic jams that are waiting for people just to step quietly forward and take charge? Where are the temples that need to be challenged and warned? Where are the people who will know how to give wise answers to the question, who do you think you are? As Christians, we are also anointed the same as Jesus was anointed. We are the little ones, the little anointed ones is what Christian means. We are the ones who walk with his authority. When people say to you, who do you think you are? You can say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he has authority over this situation. Whatever the situation is, Jesus has the authority because he is the one with the name above all names. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we thank you for sending Jesus into the world to show us what you are truly like. Father God, we thank you for giving Jesus the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess. Father God, we thank you that Jesus had the authority to clean out the temple and to change the way things were done for that day, those days. Father God, we thank you that Jesus has the authority to speak to our lives and to our world today, to change things, to fix things, to redeem things. Father God, help us to be the people who go into situations of confusion or situations of trouble and difficulty and say, God says, Jesus says, Father God, give us the boldness, give us the courage, give us the strength to speak out where we need to speak, to take charge where we need to take charge, to work where we need to work. Father God, I thank you for the Lord Jesus this morning. If there's anyone here who doesn't know him as their personal Lord and Saviour, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit and speak to that heart today and draw them closer to you, to acknowledge your authority, to acknowledge the amazing authority of Jesus, your Son. In his name we pray. Amen.